Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you. Trust you had a wonderful weekend and a Memorial Day. We remembered yesterday our Memorial Gathering. We gathered about 50 of us up on the ark and had an amazing time. We really put on a fellowship. And again, remembering those who died. Thank you. 
generation, being the generation that will witness all Bible prophecy being fulfilled in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, if we happen to be alive and remain. We, if we were to deny that, we would be more foolish, and it would be foolishness out of pride because we wouldn't want anything, anybody to say anything against us. Oh, you people have been saying that forever, you know, that's what they said at the beginning of time. You know, we're afraid of fans uh, railing accusations, you know. But it would be more foolish, honestly, to take ourselves out of the game. I really believe, and you, we've said it a thousand times, so these bundle signs that potentially are warning us of where we are in time. And I look at it this way. Um, Israel, okay, the nation of Israel. I mean, we know we've heard it so many times, but we've heard it again. Why would we be considered the final generation? Well, Jesus said, when you see the fig tree, the poison branches, know that that's the generation wherein all things are going to be fulfilled. And a lot of people kind of look at the parable about the fig tree and come up with different ideas, but there is an idea that is a biblical, theological reality to what was being referred to, that Israel is referred to as a fig tree nation, okay? And that's in Hosea, that's in different parts of the scriptures. And he said, when you see that fig tree put forth its branches, well, in the days that he was speaking, it had already put forth its branches. And then the fig tree was cut down, right? I mean, he, when he warned in the parable, you know, cut it down, and the gardener said, let me tell you today and tomorrow, and let me tell you about this year, and, and, and work it. But if it doesn't produce fruit, then we'll cut it down. And three and a half years into Jesus' ministry, the fig tree, you know, eventually, 70 AD was cut down. And then what Jesus was speaking in his revelatory understanding of the future is that when you see the fig tree put forth its branches, and what we saw in 1948 was a regathering of the nation of Israel after 1900 years of being scattered to the ends of the earth, having no nation, you know, of people dividing scattered all over the world. 1948, all of a sudden, people come back together again, part of the land where Jesus was, and Jerusalem and Israel come on, and they regather in that place, and we are the generation from 1948 to where we are right now, 73 years down the road, because I'm understanding 1948 to right now, 73 years, and so we are uh, remembering in the book of Psalms that it was written that uh, a person's life, the span of their life, would be 70 years, would represent a generation of life, and 80 years is by strength. So that's an actual scripture in the Bible that talks about 70 years, generation, but 80 if there's strength to it. And here, Israel, from 1948, let me just mark it out, 48, 58, 88, 98, 2008, 2018, well, that's 70 years, and then we're three years into this 2021, 73 years down the road. So Israel has been a generation that's been alive for 73 years. And if by strength 80, which means there's seven years remaining to this big tree generation, and it's Israel putting forth its branches. And he said, when you see that happen, you know that summer is high and all these different things. But he said that this generation will not pass until all these things be fulfilled. And so many have looked at it and said, well, the generation he's referring to is the generation that witnesses Israel becoming a nation. I would point 
seven years left. Sound familiar? People talk about the Great Tribulation or the Tribulation period, seven-year period of time. Well, I think it's absolutely phenomenal that I believe we're stepping into something that's going to accelerate. By the way, has anybody considered how fast things are going? I mean, is it basically outrunning these, the times that we're living in? I mean, are things moving along with such speed and acceleration, which I warned us about a couple of years ago on this broadcast, that there would be a time of acceleration, divine acceleration, that things would be speeding up? I mean, I could bring the prophecies to you just a little bit, but that is actually happening. That I, it's almost like we were keeping up with things, keeping up, keeping up, and then they just blew, flying by, and events around the world have been so rapid and so exponential in their going forth. I mean, it, it's, it just kind of goes, wow, that's, that thing has passed me by. I can't keep up with it. It feels like that sometimes. And so it's important that we stay connected to the Word of God and keep studying and keep finding mysteries and unveiling treasures in the Word of God for what purpose? I believe the only purpose for us studying the Word of God looking through a biblical lens from science to science is to come up with an interpretation for God's people so that we may know what time it is. And I believe that in the economy of Israel, they had those trumpets, and when the trumpets sounded, they always gave a very distinct sound for different meaning. Go to war. Sometimes they blew a trumpet, it was time to go to the feast. Sometimes they blew a trumpet, it was time to pack up the camp and move on in their journey. But there was a sound. 
taking accountability for our lives, okay, being responsible, we're supposed to read the Bible, and we're supposed to do what it says to do. And yes, we can cast out the devil and heal the kids for all those wonderful things. But to know that people can do that, and yet because of their character and their conduct, because they haven't allowed themselves to really repent and turn away from, you know, whatever human nature issues we all have. But there are some people that put things to death, and there are some people that keep things alive. And if we're about keeping things alive in our lives that are condemned in Scripture, well, what makes us think that we can just go on into happy eternity, and, and yet the Bible speaks absolutely contrary to that? I mean, I really believe, and this is a pet peeve with me personally, and I, I really believe that. And if I'm, if I'm harboring in my heart bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, pride, lust, envy, jealousy, anger, um, you know, if I'm imagining things in my soul and I'm paying attention to what's going on in my soul and ideas and thoughts and concepts and false imaginations, and, and I'm, I'm hitting the rewind button on the sensual times of my past, and I'm over and over and over again, and the things that I used to do that are now condemned by God that I should be ashamed of, but I'm keeping those things alive, and I'm not going to war, and I'm not putting those things to death. If I'm not being cleansed by the washing of the water of the Word of God and allowing the blood of Jesus to take away the stain of my shame, if I'm still kind of, uh, you know, enjoying the demonic that was once participated in my life, you know, I'm in trouble. I can't do that. That's not right. I want to be washed, right? We want to be clean. We want to be morally pure. We want to be without stain, without spot, without blemish, without, uh, you know, triggers and buttons. We don't want those in our hearts. And so I really personally believe that the Bible wants us to concentrate, God wants us to concentrate the word about genuinely getting born again. That being born again is not just some phrase within Christianity. That being born again means I'm a new person. And that along the journey of my life, there's evidence that I am changing. It may not be a presto, you're done in one moment, in one encounter. Oftentimes it's an encounter with Christ that begins the journey for all of us. That's when the journey begins of transformation. Loving not your life, but the death, following the Lamb wherever he goes, obeying everything he says to do, uh, turning uh, away from sin, not allowing temptation to bring us in, uh, repenting from all things, turning from anything that offends the Father's heart. See, this is the journey. Accepting his will, not my will, his way, not my will, is it's allowing God to totally take over his tabernacle. We are said to be the temple of the living God. And if we're the temple, then he's the presence. And it's his mind, it's his life, it's his heart that is supposed to live in us. We were created for his glory. He wants to live in us and move through us and he wants to do to us. Does he have a plan to say, no, God, I don't want your plan. I'm impatient with that. I'm going to do it my way. And then we get to do our plan. We do it our way. And suddenly we're involved in things that we're just are a mess. And we have to spend years of our lives getting ourselves out of the mess that we were in, rather than accepting God's plan, walking in it, obeying God, doing what God says to do, and, and realizing that everything in our life, including these physical bodies that we're living in right now, are going away, never to be seen again. No money, 
But what they found is 93% of the people living on this planet do not have what we have. And what were they saying? They said, if you have a house to go home to at night, if you have a bed to sleep in, if you pull a little change out of your pocket, put it in your refrigerator, a vehicle to get back and forth, or means to get back and forth to a place, to work or whatever, that makes you one of the 7% of the richest people on the planet. That means 93% of the people that live in this world do not have. And you could go to Africa. I've been to Nairobi. I've been to Boys Bridge in Kenya, Africa. I've been there. And I saw the way people live. And I and I drove seven hours from Nairobi to Boys Bridge. And I saw how five children live in a little hut. I saw how they had to go to the bathroom outside, a whole community, a whole village. I saw what their kitchens looked like, a bunch of burned wood on the floor, and they stick pots on it. I saw their mud. I saw it. And we see it on TV, and, you know, every once in a while, we, we throw a few bucks at it, and we say, well, you know, I'm so glad I'm not like them. All the nations of the earth are going to be caught in the lasso. And so we need to humble ourselves. We need to do what God wants us to do. This is the way that God wants us to live. And the Bible is the roadmap. The Bible is the roadmap. And you know how the Bible story actually begins for you and I? Number one, believing the gospel. But the very first thing that the gospel, after believing in Jesus Christ, calls us to do is to take up our cross. And you see, I don't believe that the cross is preached enough. I don't believe that we're thinking enough about the cross, which means of our old nature, a dying itself, a giving up of our lives in exchange for the life that God has for us. Sometimes I think we really don't trust the Lord. We say we believe, but we really don't believe he's got a plan for me. And we certainly don't have the patience to wait for God to work down his plan, but I can assure you, if we're willing to wait, we will see the glory of God. We will see his plan unfold. 39 years ago, when they came to me and told me about Jesus, they said, God had a plan for my life. That meant everything to me. And all these years, 39 years, Lord, is this part of your plan? Is this part of your plan? And I'm beginning to see things that I was sowing into 39 years ago, 35 years ago, giving, and we didn't see any immediate results, but we were just faithful to do what God said to do when nobody was watching. And we were praying, Lord, how long, how long, what's it going to take? And yet we're living our lives as well. We're beginning to see the unfolding and the reaping of the beautiful things of God. And what I've learned is that God doesn't do everything immediately because we would get in a lot of trouble. He tempers us first. He's looking for character so that we could go from servants to stewards to sons. Remember that sermon? We were all servants of God, and then we become stewards. We have a lot more responsibility and instruction. And so, you know, it's, it's just amazing. I just want to say something. It's amazing to me who are a male or a Being a believer in Jesus Christ is not some verbal confession. I mean, there is a confession, but it's more about what does this Bible actually say to us? What is God's message to us? And I know that we love the message from God's heart that he loves us, he's written our names, and that he has eternal purpose for us. He's going to bless us and take 
give us everything we need. This is the father of life. He only gets good gifts. I mean, we love that side of this. And why wouldn't we, right? I mean, why wouldn't we want the the benefits of God? You see, that's a dangerous thing. We want the benefits of God rather than God himself. I love what God told Abraham. Abraham, I am your Lord. It's not about stuff for Abraham. I am your And it's about the relationship with him. Nothing will be satisfied until you do. All the money in the world will never satisfy the deep longing of the born again spirit. Honestly, God, it just won't. Having found the greatest faith in the world, having discovered the greatest job or whatever we love to do on earth, man, there's a void there that can only be filled by a relationship. And that relationship isn't just a part of everything else. The relationship with God is the primary factor. Seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So wherever you are right now, whatever you're doing right now, would you just stop and think with me for a moment? And just turning around and Lord, forgive me if I made anything else important on this earth. Forgive me if I'm, if I'm looking at the things of this world as being more important than you. And give me a willingness in my heart right now, Father God, to do whatever you want me to do, to go wherever you want me to go, to, to just to, to change more with the cross. Lord, I want to take up my cross today. I want to die to worldly attitudes, Adamic human nature, fallen human nature, attitude, attributes. I want to stop being nasty, mean, grumbling, complaining, murmuring. Lord, forgive me for all of these attitudes. You didn't say to make excuses. Well, you know, we're all human and we're all sinners. The Bible doesn't actually teach that. It says we were. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've certainly all adopted a human nature, but the the glory of New Testament Greek Christianity is that we're born again, we get a new nature. That a seed was planted in the good soil of our heart, we become brand new creatures in Christ Jesus. I mean, why isn't that valued, that reality, why isn't it valued? Why do we insist in remaining the, the way we've always been? Why can't we change? Why can't we become the people that are filled with love and joy and peace? Now, you can't tell me that an attitude, a character, an internal environment of love, joy, peace, just those first three fruits of the Holy Spirit, you'll ever live. Your best life is not in how much money you have. It's not where you live. It's not who you're married to. It's not who your family is. Your best life is within you that God gave you, which is filled with you being filled with love, love, and joy, great joy, and I mean, these are the three of the divine attributes that God is sowing into us and taking root and, and become, we're becoming one with his nature. So let me ask you a question. Right now, if you had no money in the world, you had no spouse, you had no family, it was just you and Jesus, and Jesus, you don't have anything, but you have love. You just have love and joy. And he just put this joy inside of you. That you can look at life and go, man, I don't have much, but I've got everything. I've got the joy of the Lord. And peace. And you, you don't have much, but you, in a world of chaos and confusion, have peace in your heart. You have peace and 
reality is rather than being angry and impatient, we have the ability to be joyful and patient. Rather than hating, we can have love. We have all of that ability to operate and to take over and consume us and become it. You see, not just rehearse it and, and act like it's, well, like an actor on a stage. I'm going to act and I'm going to pretend that I have these things. No. The reality of the Bible is that we become the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Come like Him. And everything in our lives is truly about becoming. For those who believe, He gave the Holy Spirit that we might become the sons of God. He gave power that we might become. Everything is becoming. What are we becoming? We're not actors on a stage pretending and then taking the props. And saying, okay, I'm going to take the prop of love. I'm going to use this for a moment. I'm going to take the prop of joy. No, these aren't props on the stage where we're acting. It is evidence of being truly born again. Is there genuine agape love in my heart? Do I have affections for the body of Christ? Do I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Do I have the joy of the Lord? Or am I walking in depression? Do you know there are so many Christians today that literally walk and live in depression? You see it on their faces, you see it in their eyes, you see it in their life. They're literally depressed. There are people today that are just walking around with other attributes other than Christ, and yet they go to church. And they think because they go to church, that's the ticket to heaven. It's not. It's being outside and away from everybody and you and God standing together. And, and I know this isn't, you know, the conversation we're normally having, but it is in our lives that are passing, and I, and I just bear witness to my spirit. It's speeding along so fast for you. The day is going to come when we are going to give an account to God for our lives. So what is the message? God loves you. He has given to you and me his holy and this beautiful Word of God that we would become everything the Word of God says. Are you sick? More than conquerors, overcomers, divine nature, new creation, people that walk just like Jesus walked in nature. See, our union with Christ is not external. The union that we're to have with Christ is a nature union. It's a, it's a union of two natures. That's why Jesus, the bridegroom, is not going to marry a bride that isn't like him in nature. The true bride of Christ carries the nature that Jesus has, and that's equally yoked. To just say, well, I go to church, and I'm sure it has never changed. I've never really been born again in reality. It was only a concept. I've never really been a new creation in Christ Jesus. I've never really tasted that. It's only been a Christian lingo. Or I've never produced and walked in the fruit of the nature of the Holy Spirit. It's only been conversation. No, it's not going to work that way. And this is the great deception, the great delusion. The world is already deceived. I mean, the world without Jesus, man, they are so darkened. And they may appear to be full of light, brightness, and the doctor, the lawyer, the politician, but without Christ, they are simply fallen human beings doing the best they can on the planet, thinking that and the other thing that they're just. But what's worse than that, the change of thought. 
and he goes out of his way. He goes out of his way to serve everywhere he goes. He's never waiting to be served. He's always looking to help. And because of that, these doors of opportunity open. And, I mean, it's really an amazing thing. And it's almost as though every day he's just kind of committing his life to Jesus. And he's on assignment to help. And yet, he's happy, joy, his needs are met. I mean, it's really a wonderful thing to see. I often stand in awe and go, wow, look at that. Look at that. And I have to believe that God really does admire them. And they critical people in the body of Christ, you know, the tribes of Pharisees. Well, there's faults in that person that they don't seem to think they're pointing back at them. So, to me, on this Tuesday, this is the most important thing. You have been saved by God's holy grace. Saved from faith, from the wrath of God that's going to be poured out. Saved from the condemnation that you were born with, saved from the righteous judgment of God, saved from hell, saved from death, saved from the lake of fire, but more than that, saved from the human nature that drew the wrath of God, saved from the kind of person you used to be. Christianity in its purest form is a salvation that is all about change. I want to ask you a question here. I always look at the mirror. I always look at myself. Since the day you believed in Jesus Christ, the journey began. Have you changed? You're now 45. You've changed because you've grown up. But even in the world, people change. Hear me out. People change the world. Now, their attitude will necessarily change. Their conduct and character at 15, it was developing. And then by 20, 25, it would be, you know, it would be set, stone, if you will. And they grow up and these characteristics stay with them. And yet they go through a metamorphosis sort of change. But I'm not talking about this. Are you still bitter, still resentful, still angry, still full of pride, still full of lust, still envy what others have? Are you, do, are you still unclean? And just, again, I'm looking at the proverbial mirror. Have you changed? Is there a point in your life you say, well, Do what I used to do. Don't have that same anger, resentment, unforgiveness, and bitterness towards those who have me. That's not there. I've actually found myself praying for people, loving people, and longing for their salvation. Have you changed? Are you carrying inside of you the fruit, the nature of the Holy Spirit? Are you full of joy? Are you full of peace? Why do we ask the question? Man, tasted that the Lord is good? Have you tasted? Have you just tasted that the Lord is good? He has so much more for us. He has so much more for us. What's coming on this earth 
designed by the devil to bring an offense to the heart, to my heart, to lead to the track. Things are going to happen all around us. And we're gonna, if, if we haven't changed, decide that we're easily offended. If a tiny little temptation takes us away, Nobody's going to stop the devil from coming onto this earth and beginning to stop the temptation and the demonic activities all over the world today. You can't stop what people are going to do. It's our response. And here's the beauty. The divine nature of the fruit of the Holy Spirit that takes root in our lives is designed by God to protect us from the things that are coming. Guns are not going to save us. Bullets are not going to save us. Food is not going to save us. Uh, nothing. What is going to save us is the nature that we possess. Telling you the truth, biblically, that our salvation, because when hate comes, if we respond wrong, Violence comes our way. Lust comes our way. Greed comes our way. All I'm saying, the Bible says, eternal response to the world, the flesh, and the devil that are making war against us. And the dragon that is coming to make war with the church, he's going to do everything in his power to exploit the areas of our lives that are not sanctified before the The dragon is bringing an all our response is our salvation. I believe in Jesus. I'm saved by grace through faith. Hallelujah. No longer, one of the great passages of all time, just to kind of confirm what I'm saying, is Romans chapter 6. If you were to just take everything that we just said, here's what we read in the scriptures. This is the conduct you and I need to find. Okay? So, Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Shall we continue in sin? Shall we continue in the sin nature? I really believe that sin, doesn't say sin plural, he's talking here about a sinful nature. So Paul's asking a question. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in the sinful nature that grace may abound? God forbid. So earlier on the time, he said, how we were saved by grace. Now that we have this grace on our lives, should we continue in the sinful nature? He says, God, how shall we that are dead to 
No, it's not. But then you have these people come and say, well, you're never going to stop sinning. Yes, you can. Yield is all that we can yield to self. If we yield to God's nature, if we don't yield to the nature of the old man, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this. This pleases God. This is where my business You know, healthy our physical bodies are going to get when we yield to God, filled with love and joy and peace. I mean, all the goodness and the kindness of God. I mean, that nature, you're giving me such healing. Come on, can we hear the message? Lord Jesus, separate light from darkness in our understanding right now. Take away the veil of Satan's deception that we all have to serve him in his appetite and apology. God forbid. Now, we are to yield, neither yield yourselves of instruments, members of instruments, unrighteousness of the sin, but yield yourselves unto God. His nature as those that are alive from the dead. You're alive from the dead, so you will be God now. Your old man is dead. The old nature is dead. The sin nature is dead. The old you is dead. You're alive now, and you're going to yield to God. His nature. Practice it every day. Don't get angry and frustrated and impatient and worried and stressed. No, yield to peace. The devil wants you to yield to the patient, stress, worry, concern, fear, because it kills your body. It kills the body. This nature does not depend on the conditions of the environment you live in. You can have this nature in prison. You can be in this nature goes with you everywhere you go because it's a part of you and it's God's nature. And he just wherever you go. Now, as those that are alive from the dead and your members, yield your members of your body as instruments of righteousness unto God. It's total shit. That's all it is. For sin, verse 14. For sin or the sinful nature shall not have dominion over you. It shall not have dominion. Sin nature shall not have dominion over you. Remember, the warfare of the dragon against all believers is going to be accusation, condemnation, guilt, shame. Keeping people in a static state of your part of the old nature. The word of God is saying no. It's the sword of the spirit slicing, cutting you free from that old nature so that the devil has no power over you. Walk with the flesh. He's going to have power. You walk in the old nature. He's going to dominate you. He's going to torment you with guilt-shaped condemnation, accusation, reproach. You've got to reckon it today. I'm done. That's over. I'm buried. That guy is gone. That person is not walking in this. I'm doing it right now. Praise the Lord. Now, shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. Now, the law just condemned everybody, right? Because the law showed the sin nature in man. So grace was granted to enable us 
obeyed from the heart. You obeyed the doctrine. And I'm sure he's part of it with you right now. You obeyed from your heart the doctrine. That's all about you, which was liberty. In other words, the true doctrine in the New Testament is not an excuse for sin. It doesn't want anybody to live in the sin nature. It is a doctrine that produces holiness, righteousness. Watch this. Thank you. 
want to get angry at somebody and slap them upside the head. Back off, turn, heal to the God nature of pity, compassion, mercy, patience, love, and watch what happens. Righteousness will accelerate within your system, and it will wind up producing. It I got impatient, I got angry, I, 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 I got loose and dumb, I, I, 
I say unto you this day to rise up above the accusations of the great adversary. I say unto you that as you come up unto me, you will escape the slanderous accusations the enemy will use to pull you down. I say unto you that the same spirit that accused Christ 2,000 years ago is accusing Christ today in his people. I say unto you that you must, with renewed boldness, ascend to the throne of God and take your seat in heavenly places. I say unto you that the devil has been destroyed, Hebrews 2.14. I say unto you that the works of the devil have been destroyed, 1 John 48. I say unto you that death has been destroyed, 2 Timothy 1.10. I say unto you, beloved, to execute the judgment for the time is now. The satanic kingdom is shaking from the foundation. The gates of hell are advancing against my beloved. I say unto you that this kingdom and these gates shall not overpower you, my church, in the earth. Now is the time. Take the kingdom, for the judgment is set. Though your adversary, the devil, has sought to wear you out, I say unto you that the judgment shall sit. Strategies, plots, and plans have been devised against the righteous, but to no avail. For I have taught you how to overcome. Stay in the love of God, brethren. Stay in the love of God towards all men. For it is not men that you are struggling with, but ancient serpent called the devil. Resist him. Oppose him. Stand against him. Behind the scenes are demonic spirits sent against you to lie, steal, and kill. But they shall not prevail. Now the earth shall shake. Now the kingdoms of this world shall be given to the Lord and his Christ. Now is the judgment executed upon the prince of the power of the air. Now the heavens shall be shaken. Now the stars shall fall from the heavens and wonders and signs be seen above. Now shall the trumpet blast throughout the earth. Now is the time to arise and shine. Why is it now? Because the equity is going to take hold of what was just spoken of today, and the accuser is going to lose his power. There's going to be a war in the heavenlies. He's going to be thrust down the earth. He's going to begin his three-and-a-half-year global great tribulation. But it's because the people of God have ascended to the throne in victory. Listen. Now is the time to arise and shine. I speak to the power, the power of the resurrection that dwells in you. I say unto you that you shall live and not die, and all that would come against you will be used by God to take you to your high place again. In other words, every challenge is a stepping stone to your destiny. I say unto you that life more abundant dwells within you in that divine nature that you shall now come forth in the power of the resurrection. You will demonstrate the powers of my kingdom. You are prepared to put on the old man that nature to nature. Say not in your heart that there are still areas of my life that need to be fixed. For I say unto you that you are fixed, you are healed, you are prepared and ready for this divine event. How? By doing what the word said today. Today. Step into it by faith. You're ready to go. I guarantee God's word. You are prepared and ready for this divine event. I am, even now, removing from your midst those who would contend with your anointing. 
I am removing and exposing those who carry the accusation. I am allowing you to hear the voice of the enemy in those who have given place to the devil. For I have said unto you that you cannot give place to the devil. Those who have will be seen for who and what they truly are. There will be those who will hear the voice of evil out of their own mouths and will see the deception they have been in and will fall upon their faces and wail and repent for the evil they have harbored. These will come forth like new. These will have been washed by the spirit of purging. My righteous ones, my elect, shall arise and be crowned with glory. And in their crowns shall be many jewels. Let all the earth be silent before me. For I am coming forth out of my habitation to judge the earth. I will render to every man according to his deeds. I will extend mercy to those who have been merciful. I will deal to every man exactly what he has dealt to others. My justice is perfect. My righteousness is perfect. I have shaken your heavens and your earth first. I have removed everything within you that must be removed. Now I will fulfill you. Now will I exalt you. For you have humbled yourselves. Those who have been proud will experience a terrible breaking. You are ready. You are ready. Take hold of the next few days. Embrace them. For the world will rock to and fro, and you will remain firm on the everlasting life. I wrote that a long time ago, but I felt today is where God wanted to say it. It fits perfectly to what we've been talking about. Praise the Lord. Pass the ammunition. Have a super blessed day. We'll see you tomorrow, Lord willing. Right now on Omega Radio, for those of you who want to continue on to hear some good teaching, there's a Deliverance Roundtable discussion with my beloved wife, Patricia Joy Xavier, out of her book, Deliverance, the Christian Bill of Rights, and all of our roundtable friends. It's happening on OmegaRadio.org right now. OmegaRadio.org. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Shalom.